Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. I do more than one thing and a lot of people criticize me and tell me I need to focus on one thing and, and do that well and only do that. But in my life, I always have many, many things going on at the same time. And it always seems to be like some ray of hope in something that I'm working on. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now, here's your host, Ronster Bate Young. Welcome to episode 17 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster and I'm your host. And this episode is brought to you by Payroll Hero, a time, attendance, scheduling, HR, and payroll solution for Philippine companies. If you're new to the show, we'd like to welcome you because we love having new hustlers on the show. And you're one of them, so thank you for being here today. Now, to give you a heads up of what we do here, technically, Hustle Share is a podcast that lets you improve your hustle by learning from other hustlers. How do we do that? Literally, what we do here is we talk about the grit, the grime, and everything else in between. So we, we get to improve our own hustle by listening from other hustlers, talk about their pain, their struggles, and their journey, and how they got to where they are now. Now again, like what I always say in every episode, I'd like to give you a heads up or a warning that there's a lot of adult content in this, in this podcast. So please do turn the volume down if you're in public or make sure that there's no kids around. 
because we cuss a lot in this podcast. Now, this episode is very, very unexpected because this guy that we're about to feature didn't really come up to meet with me to talk about his life and his journey. But somehow, through meeting with him, I found out that his story is extraordinary and I think a lot of people need to hear it because this is going to be a very, very great episode. And our guest for this episode is Mr. PJ Entrepreneur. Yes, that is his real name. His last name is Entrepreneur. And in this episode, we're going to talk about his humble beginnings growing up in New York and how he literally started this journey by selling pebbles and rocks from the beach and sold them as jewelry when she was young. The other amazing thing that he's going to talk about is how he was able to meet Tommy Hilfiger when he was starting out and how Tommy Hilfiger inspired him to be an entrepreneur and how he made a fortune buying real estate. He is also going to talk about how he ended up being in Asia and all the way to the Philippines and the mystery behind his name. And most importantly, he shared so many tips and tricks that a lot of us can use and, and, and implement in our own hustle as well. So get ready to be blown away as much as I did when I met this man. And let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. Today is very interesting because um, I kind of ambushed him, This our, our next uh, guest here today. Uh, he had no idea that we're actually going to be doing a podcast. We were supposed to be doing chatbots, but I had, hey, your story is quite interesting. And before he even dropped by to the show, he sent me a whole list of things. He's been able to like, hmm, this guy is pretty cool to feature in the podcast. His name is PJ Entrepreneur. PJ, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. All right. So again, um, I apologize if I had to like uh, ambush you and you had no idea that we we're going to be doing this. But again, uh, this is Hustle Share. And uh, if I haven't told you that earlier prior to, to, to us recording this, um, this is a podcast that features the daily hustles of, of, of people uh, that are especially successful in what they do. And it's the objective is to let other people, our hustlers who are listening now, to, to improve their hustle, right? Uh, so pick, a, pick a thing or two that they can put. But you have a very interesting story. But before we get to that, PJ, um, why, how did you become PJ Entrepreneur? Before we, you were... Well, my, my former name was Paul Jones. Okay. And it's kind of an interesting story. Okay. Um, I met some people in China Okay. Um, when I was sourcing, uh, actually, I was sourcing underwear for somebody in the Philippines. Okay. And um, they were they were selling um, Paul Smith underwear. Paul Smith. And right. they had some kind of a trademark problem one time. Yep. Yep. And I, off the top of my head, I said, "Why don't you call it Paul Jones?" <laughs> and and so they you lent they, your name. They did that and yeah. it solved their problem. Okay. Uh, and eventually, it got very successful. Wow! Uh, and it was, but it was all underwear, and to me, it was very embarrassing. You know, I didn't want to like have my name connected <laughs> so to underwear, you, but I already told yeah. my friends you can do it, and I didn't want to be like known as the underwear guy. <laughs> so, but if you are, if you're listening to this, 
and you look to your 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 underwear, your undies, and it says Paul Jones. You're listening to your underwear talk right now. <laughs> well, right now, Paul Jones is more into men's clothing. And if you search on Amazon, you'll see many, many styles of Wow. So of they men, continue the brand yeah. with their name. It's very popular for shirts and sweaters and things wow. like that. And probably will be expanding uh, soon. There's some things I can't really talk about. But okay. anyway, um, it's, it was very successful. And you're and, still part of this, not well, anymore. Well, I, I just basically name. gave my name to my friends. A wow. Uh, you know, I, I don't really focus on the money, and I had no yeah. idea it was going to be successful. Okay. Uh, but these people are now... You're trying to help them out at that know, time. They're very close to me, like my own family. I okay. call them my Chinese family. Okay. And, and uh, so, anyway... They they have this brand, Paul Jones. Right. And then they came to me one day and asked me, can I help them with a ladies brand? Mm. Okay. And they had some, some brand um, that that they had. And I said, okay. it, it doesn't sound too good. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so they said, will you help? Will you help us, you know, come up with another name? Okay. And I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically the name is uh, Grace Karen. Grace Karen. And if okay. you search on Amazon, you'll see it's got the number one best-selling dress on Amazon no right now. No way. Yeah. And there's like... Uh, you're, so you're the like genie 8, of 000, good brand. There's about <laughs> 8,000 reviews. And, wow. it, you know, it, it, the name didn't just come up. There was right. a lot of research. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really know a lot about China. I had just met these people. Okay. And then we had this, you know, minor success with Paul right. Jones. And then they asked me for help. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll help you. But... Right. I don't know anything about fashion, you know. I, <laughs> I uh, the, the, basically the the only thing that I knew about fashion was sure. in New York State. I used to own a building that uh, in in a hometown of Tommy Hilfiger. Got it. So now this is where you started. We're riding the time machine, and that was that's leading me to my next. Well, question. I started before that. We'll get into that later. Okay, but cool. a- anyway. I own this building in upstate New York, and okay. one day this guy comes walking by, right. and uh, he's looking up at the building, and he says, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what you're doing here, and I was okay. renovating and, you know, putting okay. my company in there and renting it out. Right. I saw this on the the video you, you showed me. Yeah, your, your early days and yeah. whatnot. Right. So anyway, he, he said, um, I'm Tommy Hilfiger. You know, do you, no know who, way. do you know who I am? And I said, no, I don't. This is 1989. And so it 89. was. Yeah, it was, it was right around the time when he had this big billboard that made him what he right, is. Right, right. Um, so no, I didn't know him. But he had just started to like advertise in the New York Times. And, you know, some, some people knew about him. After he left, I, I realized who he was. Uh, mm-hmm. But he asked me if he could use the second floor of my building, which was an old department store. And I believe wow. his mom used to work in that department store. No way. So There's he a did, little bit of heritage he, in he, that already. Yeah, he did a, he did a charity event wow. uh, in, in that, um, on the second floor of our okay. building. And we raised like $4,000 for the United Way. What? And he gave away Tommy Hilfiger bags before anybody Right, before it became... Yeah, kids, if you're listening to this and you were born in the late 90s or whatever have you, right? Tommy Hilfiger is a real person, right? <laughs> he, 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 he went up to PJ's uh, building. So, wow, that is Yeah, crazy. and he also has a really interesting story. Because okay. 
Uh, he used to work pumping gas in a Hess gas station. Now, no way. If you look at the Hess logo, the Hess okay. logo is very similar to the Tommy Hilfiger logo. So only that's instead where he of got being it. green, it's blue, blue and red. red. Yes, uh, yes. And then, you know, he used to dream about fashion and having a business. And then he opened up a, a place. I forget what it was called. But he was selling blue jeans. And he had two or three locations. And no then way. he went wow. bankrupt. Uh, ah. And then after he went bankrupt, he went to New York City. Okay. Um, and this, this is a story about him, too. But anyway. No, but it's he, good because people need yeah, to hear this. This he, hustle shit. Yeah. Right? So, so, well, anyway, yeah. it inspired me. So ah. he went to New York City and he, he worked for Gloria Vanderbilt. And then he had a line wow. called Tommy Hill. All Tommy these things. Hill. Yeah. But, okay. it, but it didn't work out. And eventually, I believe that he met a guy, uh, I think it's Merjani, an okay. Indian guy from Hong Kong, okay. who, who gave him money to get started. And then he bought this billboard for, I think it was $160,000. Wow. And it had the names of fashion designers. And then it said, Tommy was the last one. You know, Shoot. and everybody's like Tommy who? And anyway, that's how he got famous when really? they had so Fashion Week billboard. in New York. Yeah. So wow. So that's anyway, amazing. this kind of inspired me, and okay. you know, I told my friends, I was like, I don't know anything about fashion. I like wear the same thing every day, and <laughs> and, and I, you know, when what they, was your outfits like back then in '89? Well, just just right. plain stuff. I, I'm not okay. really a fashion kind of person. Okay. So uh, anyway, when they asked me about the the ladies' clothing line, I'm like, I, I never bought a dress in my life. I don't okay. know anything about fashion, but okay. I'm willing to help you. Because they sort of said you're a branding genius, you know, to okay. come up with this, okay. and, and it was successful. So, um, anyway, we came up with the name Grace Karen after a lot of work and also right. a trip to uh, the factories. Because I said, I I'm only going to help you if you let me see the factories. Because at that time, I was brainwashed by the media and believing all these factories had little kids working and people oh, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. were not, not being yeah, treated right. well and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. So I said, you take me to the factory and... and so make know, sure that there's no, nothing crazy going on in here. So I, right. I went on a trip with her and her boyfriend at the time. Okay. And they're now husband and wife and have a little kid. But uh, anyway, we, we went together. And you know, sometime after the trip, we came up with a whole bunch of names and you know, checking... Uh, the domain names and the trademark wow. issues and all that. And we came up with Grace Karen, got the trademark on it. Wow. And then they, you know, put in that. In one trip. You got well, it was one trip, but I, I think the whole thing may have taken like a month from Still, from the beginning. Laser to, quick. Yeah. Right. But it, it wasn't an immediate success. But okay. um, over the last, I guess it's a, probably about eight years uh, right. or something like that. It's now the number one best-selling dress. Now, there's many, many styles, but I'm just talking about one particular style is the number one dress and has over 8,000 real wow. reviews. Look no it up, fake nice. reviews. Grace Karen and Amazon. Yeah. Right. yeah, so anyway, it's kind of a success that I, I never wow. expected. And, you know, since Who would have thought that yeah, there was a dude? Since then, I've developed that, right. uh, many, many brands, you know, you know well-known right. brands for this company. And wow. also others that I do it on a consulting basis that people pay me, pay yeah. me money. And I have many nice. stories of I develop a brand for one thing and then it, it fails and then they put it on something else and it is a huge success, wow. even though that brand. So you have that not. Midas touch in terms of creating well, brands for uh, Yeah, per se, but, but I have a lot of failures too. The thing sure. is, I do a lot of things. And I'm not afraid of failure. I don't really care. You know, I learn from every failure. So I like to try. And if I don't get it right, I try again or, or put it to the side and come back years later. Okay. And I have many things that I've worked on for 
many, many years that I right. come back to, and then it becomes a big success. And people's like, wow, overnight success. But no, right. not but they really. Don't understand many failures have, yeah, along correct. the way to get to that point. Okay. Now, PJ, uh, we kind of went to the time machine. Let's go all the way back. Let's like, okay, go well, back to the DeLorean. Okay. What, well, would, what was your first venture ever? And how did you decide that, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? Well, I, I, I think it's in your blood. I never okay. really decided that I was going to be one. Okay. Um, I was nine years old. Wow. Okay. And my family was not very wealthy. Okay. In fact, we grew up and my family was the only one in the town of like 30,000 people with no television. Okay. okay. And I used to really resent that. Yeah, that's a big deal um, you know, that's because that's only yeah. You know, at one time maybe it was a money issue, and then when it wasn't a money issue anymore, my parents said, you know, well, we've gotten along with it without Friends. it this long. <laughs> we might as well keep going. And you kids are different. You know, you're yeah. into it, involved yeah. in a lot of other things. So right. anyway, uh, when I was about nine years old, I wanted to have my own money. Okay. So if I wanted to buy something, I could buy you it, earn it, right? So. What I did was I picked up some stones on the beach and stones. then... Was this yeah, pebbles, in pebbles, New York still? In, in New York on okay. the beach. I think it was Long Beach or something, okay. or Rockaway Beach, something right. like that. Actually, I think it was Rockaway Beach because it was with my aunt uh, and she took me to the beach and I picked up some stones and then I took her clear nail polish and I shined oh, them. Oh, okay? wow. And then I turned it into some jewelry and no then I way. sold that jewelry. And, you know, a nine-year-old kid selling jewelry, a lot of people, I don't know whether they like the jewelry or not, but, <laughs> but you know, you get the pity sales or something. Yeah. Anyway, so I started selling the jewelry, and I, and I got interested in that. And then eventually I got a, a tumbler, which actually tumbled the stones and polished them. Wow. And I got into making making jewelry, at, you know, starting around nine years old. No way. Wow, that is a crazy story. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's how I got started. And then, you know, after a while, I, I sort of like not really lost interest, but I got into woodworking. Woodwork. And so I was making uh, picture frames, like oval picture frames and okay. plaques and things like that. Okay. Uh, so that was like my second business. Right. Then I got a, a job working for uh, a hardware department in a family-owned lumberyard. Yeah. And I just learned so much. I was 14. I think it was wow. the day I turned 14 that I got this job. And I worked there after school as well as I would deliver my papers. And then yep. I would go to, the, to this job. Oh, wow. And, That's crazy. Um, while while so studying I, still. Yeah, right. I was in, in school, you know, right. high school or junior right. high, whatever junior high. it is. Yep. <laughs> and so then I, would, I had this paper out. I would deliver the papers, then go to work. Right. Uh, and I just learned so much. Right. And eventually... When I was about 19, um, I accidentally read a classified ad and I sent my resume in. I never, never wow. did it before to this company in New York City, which was a big, well-known hardware wholesaler. Okay. And I, I wasn't expecting anything. I just wanted to see yeah, try what it was luck. like. Right. And, and, and I had never like, gone to New York City on my own. Wow. You're I live about 30, Island, 30 right. minutes away yeah. on, you know, on the Long Island Railroad. Very easy to get there. But I just, it wasn't the yeah, thing that we NYC. normally did. Yeah, Wall Street, um, right. So I sent his resume, and then I get a phone call. It's like, we want to interview you. Wow. Like, wow. I'm shocked. Okay. You know? <laughs> so anyway, I, I went there, and I was, I was dressed kind of casual. I had like some kind of like a sort of a denim jacket, but not okay. blue denim. It was, I don't know. Some what other year color. was this? Like around? Uh, 1977, I think. Wow. Something okay. like that. That was, that was a, that was a 
yeah. cool cool outfit uh, to rock. I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I went in, I went in there and they interviewed me. And at mm-hmm. the end of the interview, they said we we want to offer you a job. I'm like, and I was wow. kind of shocked. And and so I said okay, and and I said yeah, I'd like to work here. And then they said, but we have uh, we have a dress code, and you need to you know dress What's with up? a suit right. and a tie. And so I just politely said, listen, you know, I, I don't even know how to tie a tie, and I don't like to get dressed up. <laughs> and if it means that I have to be dressed like this, then I don't really want the job. Wow, and you so, turned it down. Well, I, I wasn't really looking for a job. So yeah. anyway, they said, uh, you know, you're young. We think we can make an exception. And I was actually wow. assistant to the vice president of no this company. Way. So wow. I was in this front office, and I think there might have been 200 or 300 people working in this office, you know, as, uh, you know, whatever sales yeah. and stuff yeah. like sales and purchasing for the company. You're a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, 19. And so... Uh, Anyway, they made the exception for me. Right. And the time at the time that I was there, I totally ruined their dress code because <laughs> people what? would start to look and it's like, mm, why does that guy get to to wear yeah, you know, yeah, casual yeah. clothes and we have to get dressed up every day? So people started to test it. Dress dressing and, down you know, too. Right. And yeah. and they, they couldn't they couldn't really say anything and Anyway, but the brevity. I mean, that's the, that's a lot of guts for you to say, like, yeah, I'm but, not. But gonna... it's not that I needed the right. job. You know, I, I was just kind of everything I do. I just play around and testing, testing. You right, know. right. And so, okay, I got the job. I got the opportunity. Let let me see what happens. But I really didn't want to get dressed up. Cool, you know? cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's like if I if I got to learn how to tie a tie and get dressed up and nope, have suits in my you. closet, right. then it, you know, just it doesn't feel right. Okay. So anyway, that's how I got started, and I learned a lot. Uh, and then I ended up quitting that job because I wanted to do some missionary work in okay. Haiti. Okay, now before we, let me just uh, cut you off real quick. Let's okay. take a quick break. And then now let's, gonna t- let's talk about your missionary work and where that took you. More of that after the break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with PJ Entrepreneur, who apparently was a was PJ Missionary before. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds so cool. Like, if, like uh, I, I, I'm curious before we continue on to your story about how you got into uh, to the missionary uh, part of your life or phase of your life. Who gave you the name PJ Entrepreneur? Well, that's kind of a long story. Okay. You know, be, before I was uh, Paul Jones. Okay. Okay. And... I, you know, the, the underwear that right, became right. famous. Uh, so I wanted to change my name, and my dad's nickname is PJ, and I'm an entrepreneur. So I thought, ah. okay. So it's legally your PJ entrepreneur now? Uh, I, I could show you my, my passport. Well, actually, here's my old one. No way. Okay. As I, I'm literally... Okay. It's wow, it. this is real. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It says Paul Jones Entrepreneur. That's amazing. <laughs> the only person that I that have, like, customized... There's only two people that I, I kind of know that, that changed your name. The World Be Free, you know, the <laughs> New York Knicks before, right? It was, it was, no, I think it's from... Oh, yeah, from, I, uh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I think uh, the Washington Bullets, if I'm not mistaken. Meta World Peace... Lately with the Lakers. Well, and then Warrior from Ultimate Warrior who became Warrior and legally changed his name to Warrior. <laughs> wow, PJ Entrepreneur. Okay, well, I was actually in, inspired by Kim.com. Kim.com. Now, he used to be Kim Schmidt. Now, who, who would remember Kim Schmidt? There's probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of them in the world. So, um, Anyway, I, I, I heard he changed his name, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I want to change my name. What's the process like? Because I, I get my last name gets murdered a lot. Well, it all depends <laughs> upon where you live. Okay. And so the last place where I was when I was in the U.S. Um, was Kentucky. I was in, okay. in New Louisville? York. And, I, and I, have, yeah. I have a lot of stories that I won't really get into, but okay. I'm a victim of eminent domain. Eminent okay. domain. Eminent what domain is, is domain? where you own some property and the government just takes it away from you wow. because they want to use it for the public good. You'd think you were in China. But anyway, that happened really? to me and I lost the building and then I sued the government. And my recommendation is don't ever sue the government because oh. they're Ooh. way more powerful than you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but wow. anyway, that was one of the reasons why I ended up leaving the country and starting a business in Thailand and, and going from oh there. We gosh. didn't get into that yet. But let's okay, get let's back, get to, the back missionary, to the missionary. PJ Missionary work. back then. Right. Um, so I worked for this company, I think it may be about a year and a half or almost two years. And I was very involved in my church youth group. Yeah. Um, and so at that time, I wanted to go on this mission trip. And it was the, the first one that, that sure. our church was doing. And we were going to go to Haiti. Haiti. Uh, and okay. we were going to build, 
I think it, yeah, I think it was a church the first time. We did a church and a clinic. How's Haiti like? Because, I mean, that's a one, one the, island, but there's two countries it, in that island, right? right? One, one side's green, the Dominican Republic, and the other's all dried up and, and really Correct. terrible. It's Correct. the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Right. Um, it's very sad. Uh, yeah. you know, people are starving. I remember. I, have, I haven't been yeah. back there lately. I mean, they still have a lot of issues. Let's just breathe the earthquake. Oh yeah, this is this is uh, 1977. Oh, I think. Oh wow, it's a long time. But 70, it was 77 already, or 78. They're already like that. This this is they, they're they've been like they're, that for a long time. They were under wow. dictatorship of uh, Papa Doc, I think it was. Right. So anyway, I wanted to go on this mission trip, and so I told my boss, sure. I want two weeks off. I get two weeks vacation. I want to take okay. these two weeks, and they started giving me a hard time. They said, you oh. know, we don't think that you should go there. This is still the same New York company that you're dressed yeah, down yeah, on, Yeah, but right? it was a very New York company that had mostly white people working there. Okay. Okay, at least definitely in the executive office. Yep, and yep. so, I mean, they didn't come right out and say it, but I knew that they didn't want me to go there sure. because, you know, the, there were a lot of black people there and they thought it was dangerous and they didn't want yeah. anything to happen to me. I mean, it was like for my own good. But when they told me that, no, we're not going to let you take the vacation at that time because we don't think you should go. You told them you're going to Haiti. I told them I'm going and yeah. I'm quitting. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I quit and I went there. And it's wow. basically the first time in my life when I came back that I didn't have anything to do. And I, I didn't. I, so you made it out safely. Just to, uh, yeah, just to, I went there. We, we had so a whoever time. We, was listening know. to or working with PJ back then, he made it out Yeah, safely. I think at that time so. we built the foundation for the for the church and maybe the walls, but not the, not the okay. roof. Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I came back. So when I, when I came back, I didn't really have anything to do. Okay. And I was just looking in the classified ads, and I saw something where a guy was looking for somebody to... Um, Basically, take inventory from a bankrupt hardware company okay. and turn it into something. Wow. Like like uh, storage. What's that show in the history? Yeah. Yeah. Storage work. It was like he had some, some ad looking, looking for somebody to turn, you know, uh, hardware inventory into a hardware business. Wow. So I responded to the ad. And he immediately called me and I, w I went to go visit him. And it turns out that this guy was an entrepreneur. Wow. And he was in the business of making infrared laser lenses wow okay so basically see in the dark lenses right right and so his company needed to expand and he wanted to do it quickly and so what he did was rather than um you know go and, and lease a building whatever mm -hmm. this was his next door neighbor okay and so he went to the bankruptcy court and he bought everything in the building yes and took over the lease and he got a really great deal, but he ended up yeah. with all this hardware stuff and he had some extra space and he thought, maybe I can turn this into something if I find the right person. Hmm. So initially, team, initially that, that, I, yeah. I sought it out as, as, as an employee. Okay. And, uh, you know, he said to me, you know, you work hard, you could own part of this business. And, wow. and one day him and his partner, you know, they gave me a third of the business. No way. And wow. it started out, we were selling tools and hardware to the government. And uh, at that time, like especially New York City, they weren't paying their bills on time. Uh -huh. So we had terrible cash flow problems. Uh, we'd have to pay for some things in 10 days or 30 days, and the government would pay in 90 days. Ooh. So we never had enough money, and it was right. really painful. You're always chasing and tail. <clears throat> we right. were... 
you know, I, I thought we were going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. And then something really terrible happened to me. My car broke down. My transmission went. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I needed to raise some cash. So sure. what I did was this was an industrial park on a main highway, like Route 110 in New York near Adventureland, if anybody knows where that's at. Right. And so I pushed my car out to the edge of the road. And I put a big sign on the top and it said tool warehouse with an arrow. And so that was like on a Sunday night and Monday at lunchtime, you went back. the parking lot filled up with people buying things and paying cash, which, no you know, we used to way. sell on account. And so that transition, the company was interstate hardware, tool and industrial oh, supply. It's like a scene in the movie. It, it transitioned <laughs> into tool warehouse, which became a chain of uh, eight, uh, seven, seven stores. Wow. And, Two wholesale companies, and I bought and sold companies, and I got to fix your car. I assume. Well, actually, I bought a new car. Actually, I left it there for a very long time. <laughs> I, I, I bought another used car after that. But yeah. if that terrible thing didn't happen to me, yeah, and and I was under such pressure to raise cash to try to fix my transmission, but then after it worked, it's like I need to leave it out there because I didn't. I couldn't yeah. get a sign permit, right? <laughs> so I, I just parked the car yeah, out there. It was yeah, registered yeah. and nobody could do anything. It had this big box on right, top. Right, right, And then over, I don't know, maybe like almost a year, it was parked out there. And eventually I got the sign permit and put the sign okay. up. And, um, but <laughs> and it, you got the car towed. Basically, yeah. it turned into a $10 million business no over way. the next, well, it went to like $3 million And then we expanded a lot. It went to $10 million. And then Home Depot came. Home okay, Depot. when Home Depot came, changed uh, the whole ball game. Well, along yeah. the way, I was actually offered to buy the entire industrial park for two million dollars, and it wow. sounded like so much money back then. Yeah. But what happened is, uh, some investors bought it, mm -hmm. and then they leased it to Home Depot, and they ended up wow. knocking down all the buildings, and I had to move, and I moved to another, like at the entrance of Home Depot, but. It was never the same after that because uh. the, the, the way I had my store set up, people just loved to shop there because everything was thrown in bins and it was like hunting for bargains. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then I moved to a smaller place and it was more, the same. more organized and it felt more like a real store. And, and then there was a Home Depot right, right down the road. And, and so it's tough to compete with that. Wow. So I ended up uh, closing some stores and selling my main store and another one. Um, and then eventually they went out of business and I never got paid for it. How, how, when, when, so this is a good question. So uh, my first startup, uh, I, I did that for eight years, crash and burn. I lost everything. Get back up. <laughs> now, well, it's not that easy. And I know. You know? And how, believe me, I know. How, how do you cope with that stuff? Because it's, it's tough. It's gut wrenching. There's, yeah, there's it, nothing that can, you know, but you had a, an well, empire you have, already. You have, you have really bad days, but I always have, I do more than one thing, and a lot of people criticize me and tell me I need to focus on one thing and, and do that well and only do that. Mm. But in my life, I always have many, many things going on at the same time, and there always seems to be like some ray of hope in something that I'm working on. Okay. And so that's kind of what keeps me going. Got it. And I just keep experimenting until something works and then <clears throat> when it works and you got to be ready to go full force on sure. it when something's working and uh so my my next thing was i had this real estate that i bought in upstate new york wow uh, which is the you know the hometown of tommy hilfiger and my plan was to 
buy real estate, rent it out, collect the rent, pay cool. the mortgage, and, cool. and so forth. Cool. So I started out, I actually bought a post office. I didn't know you could buy a post a office. A post office? But I bought a post you office. You can only do that in games. I didn't know you can do that in no, real I, life. I actually right. bought two of them. But what happened is I heard a post office was for sale, and then I got the information about the underlying lease, and it was expiring. Right. And so I made a contract to buy the building with me having the right to renegotiate the lease. Yeah. So I went to the post office. I said, hey, your rent's doubling. <laughs> and so the, the, the value of the building was based on the current rent roll. Wow. And there were some apartments in there, too. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so anyway, I, I bought that post office and right. I, I financed it basically with putting a mortgage against another one of my buildings. Right. Totally owner financing. Um, and, and I did well. And then... I thought that was so much fun that I went and bought a second post office, which is in Erin, New York. Yeah. You know, like it's an Irish uh, type thing. Right. And I did the exact same thing. I, I The, wow. the, the lease was repeat. getting ready to yep. expire, and I went to the owner, and I made a ridiculous offer. Um, wow. And then that that's also how I got the, the, the uh, several buildings in a downtown area. I made crazy, crazy offers. Uh, wow. One building, which was a department store, uh, 30,000 square feet um, and on four floors with an elevator and everything. It was listed for $600,000. Wow. Okay. And then, now this is in New York State. I mean, it's upstate New York, but yeah, still 30,000 square York, feet. You know, yeah, you, you can't build crazy. it for very much. Right. Um, so uh, it was listed for that. And then they reduced the price to 300000 No way, half. Three hundred. Yeah, they're very wealthy people. Um, because there was a flood in 1972 and there was lots of government money and basically they took the money from the flood and then invested it in the market oh, and, and fixed their, their place up at the same time. Okay. But anyway, they were pretty wealthy people, two old retired guys that owned it, okay. and they were in Arizona playing golf and <laughs> the pipes froze. Oh, So I heard, that, I heard yeah. that the pipes froze and that they really wanted to get rid of it, so I made an offer on it. And I sent them an offer with a $10,000 check attached right. to it. And by the way, I didn't have the 10000 in my account. We just, just had I, the I sent it by bravado FedEx. to write that ten grand. Right. I right. sent it by FedEx to these guys. In Arizona. They were in Arizona. And they got it. And then they got me on the phone. And the two partners was on the phone. And, and I was there. And they said, well, you know, we got your offer. We're asking, you know, 300000 They said, well, we just have one question. How did you come up with the price? Now, the price was $91,263. Yep. Now, how did I come up with the price? I went like this on my calculator. I was like, okay, that one looks good. Because at that time, I was making an offer a day. Wow, wow. wow. Uh, it was like the beginning of the year. Right, and I, right. I, so you were that liquid back, back, back then? Like, I, didn't, I didn't say right. I had the money. I mean, I, I, right. I was able to come up with it. Right. Because I never expected them to, connect, to, to accept to my bite. offer. I was right. making just crazy offers for right, the right. experience and the fun of it and everything. Well, weren't you scared? And, That's scary. Well, actually, what I was. What if you defaulted? Uh, well, right. no. I, I mean, I made it subject to getting a mortgage and, right, and, and right. all this stuff. Right. Um, and anyway, I managed to uh, get basically temporary financing. I took a picture of the building and went to my banker, and I'm like, I need $100,000 to complete this deal. Wow. <laughs> and they looked at it and said, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll put the money in your account. No way. <laughs> and I signed a note that renewed like every 90 days. So wow. I had to pay the interest every 90 days. That's not and bad, And they right? had promised me permanent financing. So I was able to make a cash deal. It was an unsecured note. 
Right. Because they looked at it and they're thinking, oh, this is probably worth a million dollars. He only needs 100000 right, to complete right, it. Right, but right. I had extra money in my pocket right. after that. Okay. So anyway, wow. that was that was uh, one, and then I that's bought hu- that's pure hustle right I there. I bought an HSBC right. bank building. Um, HSBC. Well, they had moved out, uh, and I'm not sure if they were called HSBC at that time. I think they were called Marine Midland, and then they had okay. changed their name to HSBC slightly after that. Okay. Anyway, it was a vacant building, three story. Right, building. right, right. Um, and. That was the one that was involved in the eminent domain case where the uh, local government wanted to build a skating rink. Oh. Uh, and basically they condemned all these properties and mine was the last one. Without any one. compensation. No, no, they give compensation. Right. But what happened is I wasn't a local. I was an out-of-town guy and they made right. deals with all the other people. The guy next to me had a building for, uh, it was about half the size. Yeah. And he got paid 600000 Wow. Okay, so... I thought I should get at least six hundred thousand. Well, they only had sixty thousand dollars left, so that's Shoot, that's that's, that's what they ended up paying me. But they also knocked the building down before the judge had signed the order, saying that's, that they owned it. So I'm like, hey, you damaged my building. You know, right. so they're like, well, we're gonna get it anyhow. And anyway, that's so I crazy. sued them. Don't ever sue the government. That's my advice. Okay, there you because go. Because it led to. <laughs> litigation and just being yeah. put on lists and you know yeah. to the point Long where i ride. thought you know what i don't even want to live in this country anymore and eventually i went to bangkok on a vacation and then i thought you know let me make some back office over there somebody to handle my domain renewals right. and so you still had business back <clears throat> in the states back then yeah I, right. I i did but eventually it got to the point where I don't, I don't want to right. be involved because there's a lot of litigation going on back and forth and it just wasn't fun anymore. And sure. so when I, when I went to Bangkok, I, I started and I told my crew back in New York that, you know, I'm going to move the company to Bangkok. And of course, everybody told me I'm crazy. And by 2008, uh, there were no more people working in New York. And, wow. and uh, I had already you know, come to the Philippines then and things were really taking off, but I didn't feel the need to have U.S. employees anymore okay. because of you know, taxes and just IRS, all kind of whatever. corporate problems. <laughs> sure. Okay, now let's take another break, uh, PJ. And when we come back, let's now talk about how uh, you transitioned from Bangkok Made all the way to the region, basically uh, touring Asia and, and seeing all the business opportunities and how uh, that led to your current hustle now and more of that after the break. Hey, hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game and again big thank you to sprout solutions liberating your time for what truly matters 
Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break for the last part with. We're still with uh, PJ Entrepreneur. And um, in, in this last part, we're, we're now going to be talking about how he ended up in Asia. So, PJ, uh, before the break, you said that you, know, you, you now went to Bangkok. Why, why Bangkok again? How, how did you end up in Bangkok? Well, I, I ended up there because uh, somebody that I had uh, done some marketing with, okay. um, we were doing direct mail marketing. And okay. he was actually a competitor of mine. And I followed this guy, and, okay. and I, I really, you know, he was like my enemy. Got it. And then one day, uh, some guy that we both worked with uh, told me I should reach out to this guy and, okay. and get to know him. So, so I did. 
and we right. were in the same business, very, very competitive. Right. And then I understood what he was doing, and I said, you know, I have this technology with a telephone number that can help you boost your response rate. Mm. And so what I did is I offered to process his phone calls um, to to boost the re response rate. So what we did is we put an eight-digit number on his mail piece, and sure. we told him to call a toll-free number. Okay. And I built this equipment that would answer the call automatically. Okay. And not a, not a, not an answering machine. It's no, no. This was this was built on dialogic boards at the time. I don't okay. even know if they use them anymore. But, right. Um, before asterisk and all that. But okay. Anyway, the people would call the number, and we would basically talk about what was in the mail piece. But sure. many people don't like to read, so they, they get ah. excited about it. Uh, it had to do with... It's uh, like a Kindle, per se. It had to do or, with yeah, debt right, consolidation right. and mm -hmm. refinancing and all that. Right. So anyway, the, the people who were interested would call the number and listen, and they would punch in the eight-digit number. Wow. Now, immediately, my equipment would look up the person's name and then it would send an email to a debt consolidation company wow. that would pay us $50 commission for every closed deal. Per. Wow. Yeah. So that had nothing to do with the product he was also selling. Yeah. So we were making money on that, but my deal with him was, okay, you do the mailing and, you know, it would cost at that time about 50 cents to mail each piece in yeah, the envelope. Yeah. Okay, so he would mail a hundred thousand, sure, and it would cost him fifty cents a piece, and right. thirty percent of the people would call. So bad. my my deal was right. whatever names that you get after thirty days, I have the right to sell to them. Nice. So what that did was that saved me uh, seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, of know, worth of, of, of mailing yeah, that I didn't right. have to mail to the people that weren't going to respond, and I mailed to the most responsive. Nice. And I also had the right to rent his names you don't really sell them you right. direct mail you rent them for one-time use and you get paid like seven to nine cents for each one i had a mailing list broker right uh and at one time i still remember this in one month i walked out of the mailing list broker's office with a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar check Ooh. because i was mailing like crazy wow. and, and rent my list was very responsive you're the mailman before carl malone so anyway <laughs> this guy was yeah. very grateful to me okay and at that time you know the postal rates went up the response rates went down and i was just my business was going down and i was kind sure. of depressed and he said, listen, you've made me a lot of money. Here's a round trip ticket to go to Hong Kong and, um, and Bangkok, Bangkok for two weeks and just enjoy yes. yourself. And he, he happened to be going on the trip at the same time. So we also visited one of our suppliers. He became in, your friend in now. In Shenzhen, China. Yes. Yeah. So, well, well he, became, he, did, right. he became my friend after maybe a year of working right, together. Right. And, but there was know, a lot of animosity up front, for sure. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. I used what? to follow this guy for years because right. you know, he's my direct competitor. But the thing that happened is we went back to uh, one of the companies, the financial companies that we worked with, and they were desperate for leads. Uh. So we went to them and we said, listen, we can double the amount of leads that you get. Glenn, Gary, Glenn okay. Ross style. Okay, <laughs> if, if, if you... Double our commission too, ah. not not I mean per per item. Sure. So anyway, they agreed to pay us a lot more, and nice. then I took his volume and added it to what I was doing. Okay. And so he, he got paid a lot more money, and I just passed it right through to him, and and I got more symbiotic got now. Right. Yeah. And so that's how we became friends, and we both did very well for a long time. Wow. 
That and, is awesome. And, and because, so, so did the, yeah. the company, the, the financial company. You know, they were begging us for leads, and and we, we our leads were the best. His salespeople would fight over them. Sure. Um, now, what? So, anyway, it's just yeah. it's just kind of you know helping people, and then it totally changed my mind about uh, competitors. Yes, that's what I because, wanted to ask. Right. You know, I used to think you know your competitor is your enemy. You have to do whatever you can to defeat him. But really, if you have the same customer base and maybe a slightly different product, even in some cases we had basically the same product but different kind yeah. of pitches. Yeah. So why not work together with the same group of, of leads? And then how I, do you I, approach? I guess the the most hard, the hardest part to do that is to to create that first contact because there's a lot of animosity. Well, I was first, introduced right? by uh, somebody that we both did business ah. with, a really old guy who was sort of like a mentor to both of us, and he knew we hated each other. <laughs> I, I wouldn't use the word hate, but right, right. There's he knew a we lot were, of we were very yeah, competitive. Right, we were right. very competitive. Okay. And at that time, I was actually winning because they, they had some contest in the, in, the, in the company, and I sort of pushed him out of first right. place. Right. And so just like the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah. Like, so anyway, this right. guy, you know, I respected him a lot. And he said, hey, you know, why don't you reach out to him and contact him? And, wow. And, you know, so there was a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and see if you, but that totally changed my mind about com- competition. That's amazing. And, and like I like to, right now, I love, love to reach out to people and say, how can we work together? You know, how can we wow. help each other? Even though we, we we look like we're competitors, but maybe we could be way more powerful if, if we consolidate. We some well, right. not even not even consolidate the business, but just sort of work together and, In one and form brainstorm right. about things. And and you know, like like I, I offered my technology to this guy, and it made him a lot of money, but it made me even more because absolutely, you know, he gave me the right to sell his mailing list, and he had no idea the value of what he was giving away. Yeah, but he still benefited. That's true. And again, that's with the the forefathers and the tycoons in, in the in the in, in, in the states, right? Yeah, John D. Rockefeller yeah. with 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 all these other guys, J.P. Morgan. They all worked together in some on one. They hated each other yeah. for sure, but they needed each other to succeed yeah, and go to the exactly. next level. Right. So again, uh, JP. Sorry, I mean, uh, sorry PJ. about that. Uh, PJ. PJ. <laughs> JP Morgan. Morgan. Uh, I, you can't. Put okay. Me. PJ. So now you're in Bangkok. What was it like? And you le- you left everything. You said you were in a well, bad state. Well, I still right? had my company right. running uh, direct mail, and right. and it was like you know going going down and less right, and right. less employees and so forth. So what I did was I had about enough money to live fairly cheaply okay. by eating street food and have yep. a cheap apartment and so was it a different adjustment for you because asian food is different right like yeah but i i'm a, i'm an adventurer i try everything okay <laughs> I mean, I, i've eaten the, i've eaten the crickets and the oh, wow. and all wow. kind of stuff and wow. I, I had pig's brain in china oh, I, wow. I love eating exotic food wow um so that wasn't really an issue for me uh, but when i went there um, I was. I, I started to tell the story before about my right. uh, prescription drug book. Right, I'm right. Not sure if we were on the thing yeah, or yeah. not. No, I think in the break we were discussing that. Okay. Break. So anyway, what had happened when I when I first went there uh, on my first trip, which was a vacation? Okay, I flew over there, but I had been in my warehouse like the night before I left, and okay. I saw this skid of books. I had written a book about how to get free and low cost prescription drugs for there people that didn't have insurance. 
and didn't have the money to buy the drugs. There's and you many... published this in Thailand? No, I published this in New York. Oh, wow. Okay? Prior to leaving. But, yeah. but I had this in a warehouse sitting there and I was okay. having cash flow issues. So I'm okay. thinking like, how can I turn this into some cash? So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Bangkok. I'm going to write a press release and then I'm going to use faxblasted.com and I'm going to send it to the 6,000 daily and weekly newspapers in the U.S. So I wrote a one-page press release that talked about the free and low-cost prescription drugs and, you know, it's a 32-page booklet. And at, right. the, at the end of it, I said, send $5 to cover printing, postage, and handling. And I had an address Ooh. in Washington, D.C. Wow. And so uh, I went there and I sent out these press releases. And at that time, it was, you know, really expensive to make true, a phone true. call to the yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't call home while I was there. Okay. You know, I, I was actually borrowing somebody else's phone. And wow. it was like a dollar a minute to call there. Yeah, so, yeah, so I didn't call there. Distance. And I, I sent out these press releases. But when I got home, the guy who was checking my mail and filling the orders, right. he hands me $15,000 in cash. What? Plus the checks and money orders that went in the bank. What? And I was like shocked because I worked about three hours a day from the hotel lobby on a dial-up modem. And I remember paying, when I paid my hotel bill, my internet bill was about the same as my staying in the room for seven days. Because I wow. you had to pay by the hour or something or by the right, minute. Right, I don't right. remember exactly. But anyway, so I sent these out and apparently a lot of them got published. Wow. And so all this money came in. And that is was, amazing. And you was, were in dire straits again at that time. Yeah, at that time I, I was just looking to like, what do I have that I can turn into some money? Right, and I right, didn't know right. it was going to work, but I thought, right. you know, okay, I'm going to relax. I'm going to send this because I was interested in fax blasting technology wow. at the time. And um Anyway, it worked. So that caused me to say, hmm, if I could make this much money in Bangkok and I had such yeah. a great time over there. And the cost of living is like a I third. Maybe I move there. Okay. Yes. So I, my plan. What year was this? You know, that was uh, 2000. 2000. Yeah. Okay. And so my plan was kind of to go back and forth uh, okay. and, you know, start a little business. And, and I was getting into email marketing. Sure. Okay. Well, not. I thought I wanted to get into it. Okay. So I formed a company. I think that I went there first time in August. By right. November, I had already uh, ended up forming a company, making nice. relationships through people I know in the U.S. to right, introduce right. me to accountants and stuff like that. Got the company started. I hired one guy uh, who said he knew how to do email sure. marketing. Sure. Sure. And of course he didn't. <laughs> and then we hired other ones and they didn't know. Right, but right, right. anyway, we kind of figured it out together and we, we bought a server. We put it in a data center in Hong Kong right. uh, and got our internet connections. Right. And so we started to make a little bit of money with email marketing okay. to, to sell books that I had written. And eventually we learned about Google AdWords. AdWords. Okay. So I had yes. heard this thing about some guys in California selling words. And I thought, how can you sell words? You know, words are in a dictionary. How can you sell them? Wow. And so I remember it was like one Sunday afternoon and I thought, I want to try to figure this out because like people are starting to talk about it. Yep. And so I, I, I sort of figured out how to make an ad and I made an mm -hmm. ad to drove, drive somebody to my website about yep. some books I was selling. And I put like $50 in there. And at that time, it was a penny a click. Right, right, well, right. Well, I made like $1,000 a day off of $50. Ooh. 
And that went on for, for a long time. And it was like, you know, you hit the jackpot. And, and of course, I increased my budget. But then more and more people are finding out about this. And the price is going up and up and up. Right. And, you know, I think by the time I was not doing so much of of the the AdWords or, or where, where we stopped making money, it was like about 30 cents a click. And Oof. and we were just breaking even. Yeah. But so you already made so bank. So again, right. I, I was like, hmm, this is not good because, okay. you know, I, I'm starting to have cash flow problems. I have okay. all these people and, and right, we right, can't right, pay them. Right, right, right. So I thought, oh, I have 50,000 people that went to my website and signed up with their email address. Okay. Some of them bought, some okay. of them didn't. Okay. So I found out about affiliate marketing. And I took, there you go. I took uh, this was for a satellite dish in, uh, well, I, I sent it to my friend in Chicago. Basically, okay. I sent one email and I called up my friend. I said, listen, right. I just sent you an email. Click on the link. Right. You know, sign up for a satellite dish. And he's right. like, well, I, I, my landlord won't let me put one up. I was like, right. just sign up for it. You know. So, <laughs> anyway, he signed up for it. And immediately I saw $3 in my account. Just like which, that. Which they paid me, you know, basically just his name and phone number, permission to call, whatever. Yeah. Um, so the next day I Referrals, sent, a, I sent a bunch of, of emails right. out and I made about, I think it was three or $400. Yep. It's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, all I right. did was hit the send button right. to my 50,000 of that one email. Right. And so that just opened up a whole lot of income for me. That is then crazy. I, my whole shift changed to like have websites to collect names of people that are signing up for an interest, you know, they're interested in a particular wow. thing and then send affiliate offers that they're likely to respond to. Right. And that grew into a pretty big business. Wow. Uh, and then I needed people to um, write copy for ads. And I used to import people from the U.S. Yeah, and because from that's Canada. not available in the right. Thailand so back then, right? you know, we we actually we had two companies in Bangkok because they have the all these rules about employing foreigners. So wow. we had to make another company just so we could employ more foreigners. Oh wow! And then right. we had issues with the immigration because people would you know it's hard to get the permit. Right. So I ended up opening a coffee shop in the first floor of my building. I, I had expanded a lot and right. we got a ho our own building. And the first floor was a coffee shop, and all the other floors were offices, and I lived on the top floor. Right. And so, anyway, we did pretty well, made a lot of money. Yep. But then one winter, I was coughing because the air was really yeah, bad in Bangkok heard, at that I time. Heard, right. So I went to Hong Kong, and I was like, okay, I'm a little better. And then I had this friend that had a call center in Ortega Center. Yep. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go fly over there and see what it's like. And I remember. So you've never been in the Philippines prior to that? No, no. And, and what I, year so was I, this? I, uh, this was 2006, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I booked a flight from Hong Kong to Manila. I have no idea what I'm doing. I land in Manila. <laughs> I tell the taxi driver, you know, take me to buy a SIM card. Okay. Wow. So he bought the SIM card. And then uh, I don't remember where I stayed. But anyway. I ended up at in four o'clock in the morning at Ortigas Park, and right. I'm seeing like McDonald's is crowded with people. Yeah, because the call center industry I was is like, boring. Wow, this is unbelievable. Yes. So anyway, I, I was just kind of checking out the area. Okay, I go back to Bangkok and I start coughing again. I thought ah. it was just like I had this cold or whatever no, that I couldn't no, get rid of, no. but it was it was in the air. So I started coughing again. And then after a couple of weeks, I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to the Philippines and see 
if the air is better because I was feeling like I can't live like this. Right, right. You know, I don't want to go back you're, to you're, New, your health is on to the New line. York right. or anything like right. that. So um, anyway, I came back here and I stopped coughing. And I thought, oh, mm. this is a sign from God. I must open up there a business you go. here. So imagine uh, a, lot, a few Filipinos are, are, are listening to this. Right, and you think we have it bad? You know, people move here because we have better air. Apparently, no, because there was a recent ranking too. Like you know, there's like out of the ten best air in in the region, we have like six or five. Yeah, it's, well, it's yeah. just different things that are in the air. I forget what it is, but whenever whenever I feel it, I can go to the internet and I, I right. can see. Oh, this one hit thirty parts per million. Right, that's, right. That's why. And that, that, you're gonna suck that one way or another. Yeah. So right. anyway, I I came here and. I thought, okay, I'm going to rent a place. And I rented a place in Emerald Mansion. Okay, Here. It's a residential right. building. Here. Uh, the and then I, I hired a couple of people. And I had people coming in and out of right. there. And, and then the building started saying, you can't have a business in your home. Right. <laughs> and so I ended up renting a place at uh, across the street, Strata 100. Got it. And I think it's like 200 square meters. Right, and right. And we started there, and right. and it was actually the first. I think it was maybe sixteen months. I had given myself a year to be successful or, sure. or come back, right. and I wasn't successful. But I right. also wasn't given up because right. I'm like, I got all this money invested in here. I can't. Correct. Yeah. I can't just walk away. Yeah. And, and uh, I had this guy who had. What I, were you doing uh, at that back then? Was it the same thing in Bangkok? Uh, we, we were doing some uh, automated telephone stuff we were expecting, uh, um, experimenting with. And also, you know, in, in Bangkok, I had hired some people to do the ad words. Okay. And, uh, so that was still going on, right? Yeah, but it, in the beginning, we were just kind of struggling a little bit, okay. trying to find our way. Um, but about 16 months, we found our way. There you go. And, Boom. And things just took off. And then my business grew like... 10 times in a couple of years Ooh. and I was making a lot of money and paying a lot of people I mean I had people all over I don't remember the exact numbers but more, more than 100 between here and, right. and Bangkok right. and we had like 30 interns and uh, opened a bunch of other I was in the employment agency business and the talent at a talent company and wow. uh, different things but then it got to the point where it wasn't so much fun anymore, and I was actually still involved in some litigation in the U.S. Because of because the building. Of what happened before, and it, I, I wasn't able to transfer money from the U.S. to here, and I just thought, you know what? This is not fun anymore. I'm just going to stop. Just like and that. And wow. I'm going to help everybody get good jobs or start businesses, and I'm going to relax and travel and... Anyway, I traveled for eight years. Eight years. So just walk us through briefly uh, to that. During eight years of all this time grinding and hustling and, you know. Well, I'm still grinding what... and hustling, but there are small ideas. I wasn't focused right. on making money because, you know, I, I, I did okay and I, I had enough to, to spend. Yeah. Um, eight years. Yeah. Wow. And, and I spent a lot of time in China because I, I could see that if you could cut out all the middlemen you know, you yes. could do really well. So along the way, you know, Amazon FBA happened, and, uh, you know, because Amazon uh, only used to sell their own stuff. Correct. But and then, now they source it out to China. Right. And then, right. Uh, you know, AliExpress and Alibaba, all right. this stuff happened So you've happened seen this happen time. firsthand. But right. I could see that the, the, they have a special shipping called e-packet service. Okay. okay. And at that time for, um, let's see, 50 grams mm. costs $1 to ship to the U.S. with a tracking number. 
No way. And if you were to send that same package from, say, Los Angeles to Chicago, it would cost like 3 or $4. Yeah. And FedEx, I think, wherever, I think, I think no yeah. tracking number on that. Yeah. So I saw so there a are huge, more advanced huge, in huge China. opportunity. Right, right. You right. know, and, and then, well, the thing is, when I met these, my friends, of course, they're not going to tell me their secrets. Right. That's why I rented a place in their building. So uh, I could, I, I, had, a home, yourself, I had a home yeah. in Hong Kong and a home in Bangkok and a place here too. And wow. so I would travel between all the places. Right. But when I decided I wanted to, you know, stay be, put. when I, yeah, stay in, in one place, well, not really one, one place, but I wanted to be in China sometimes. I was like okay. going back and forth from Hong Kong to, to China. And, um. I rented this place. It cost me like $60 a month for a one-bedroom apartment at that time. Wow. And then I got three different internets because I never put up with, you know, bad right, internet. Right, 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 right. Uh, anyway, it's terrible. <laughs> um, but I, because I was hanging out in their building, you know, I got to be friends with them and have dinner. Yeah, and, yeah. And come to their office and talk business. Right, and, right. So over a little more than a year, I finally found out, okay, how do you send this stuff? And they were using eBay shipping tools, had some special deal with the post office in China, right. did a joint venture with the post office in the U.S. Yeah. But then eBay figured out that I was shipping stuff that was not being sold on eBay through their shipping tool, and they cut that off. Okay, okay. So then I had to start over and make my deal directly with the China Post. But China Post only had, um, they had, uh, what was it? Amazon, no, Amazon was the third one. Alibaba. They, they had they had eBay, eBay first, then Alibaba, then Amazon, okay. then PJ Entrepreneur. PJ. But they didn't have anything built for you know a small time operator. Right. Everything right. was you know with Amazon and eBay and all that was they had APIs working and right, right, but right. they had to build something for me and I started testing it and uh, the communication first of all with you know, Chinese and English. Right. You know, I only speak English. Right. And I did find one guy that worked at China Post who helped me get, get signed up. Yep. And he was yep. like my advocate inside of China right. Post right. to make this happen. But they kept changing the program like every day and it would break and then how do you right. fix right. it? And, and then I, I shipped a thousand test packages mm -hmm. and 30% um, of them got lost. Crazy. Um, now, they actually didn't get lost. They were put someplace I put them in a box instead of a bag, so they got put on a shelf. Anyway, I canceled my whole thing, and okay. um, I didn't. I didn't follow through with that. Okay. But I realized it was an opportunity, and then I went on to other things, experimenting with many How, things. All right. Now, PJ, um, last few questions uh, before we wrap this up. How did you end up here in the Philippines, and what are you? What is your hustle, and what what are you enabling now? Because you've been well, I, I came. I came here because I needed to breathe. Okay, <laughs> it's and, the air, guys. And the funny thing is, I came back here again uh, last year. I think it was in in February. February. Uh, and I went to uh, Palawan. You call Palawan. it Palawan? Yeah, Palawan. Okay, yeah. so I was in Shenzhen, yeah. and again, there's a problem with the bad air in in, right. in China. In the China's, winter time, it right. was really bad, and it's like six weeks. I'm coughing. It's like I got to get out of here. Right. So I'm going to the Philippines. So I landed in Manila, and then I I went to uh, Davao and Cebu yep. Yep. and Palawan and Zamboanga. Yeah. Uh, and but anyway, all pristine. As, yeah. I, I stopped hmm. coughing immediately when right. I got here, and. 
So then after that, I think it was in April, I brought my Chinese friends over here because okay. I've been telling them for many, many years that you know, check it out. they should open an office in the Philippines because you guys mm -hmm. know how to you know, read and write right, in English. Right, right, right. And Chinese, yes, they can write English. They don't right, speak right. English too well, but it's not different. very good. It's like it's different level here. It's like... Yeah. I call it word salad. They just right. throw a whole bunch of words <laughs> up, and and it word salad. Yeah. and you know, for right. eBay that kind of works because right, the way right, their right, search right. engine works. But for but other things, it, for the conversational English, that's yeah. totally different. Like and, what? And, and even for yeah. writing listings of products, sometimes it's just very awkward. <laughs> so anyway, they came over here. They looked around, and then it's like, okay, we're gonna rent the company apartment and and sure. rent an office, and we're already expanding in the in the second office now, and. Um, things are things are going really well, and I see big opportunity for Filipinos uh, to, to grow here. And and I've been here helping them because I want to make sure they have a success. Yeah, uh, there's actually two reasons. I want to help my friends, sure. but I feel like I owe something to the Filipino people. Thank for, you for right. making it possible for me to travel around and enjoy Absolutely. my life for the last and, eight years and breathe good air. Yeah, breathe good <laughs> air. Yeah. So PJ, before we wrap this up, you've been. You, I, I did not know that I was gonna get this much today in this interview. No disrespect. Well, you sent me a lot of stuff. I didn't. I didn't know either. Right. I was coming the, here to find yeah, out about chatbots. <laughs> there was there was a total journey. It was crazy. I have nothing but respect for you. But again, there's this. You said it earlier. It's never linear. You've been through so many ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride, and sometimes it is so scary. Yeah. You know and. Uh, but you know, when you ride a roller coaster, if it doesn't go off the rails and you get killed, it's yeah. still fun when you get off. Yeah, absolutely. Know? It was a thrill. You'll, so, you'll want want more. So now let's talk about tips, PJ. Okay. Right. You, you've been through so many ups and downs and whatnot. How do you, how do you keep your sanity? What what's what's your strength? Because this is not easy. You've been through it all. Like oh my god. Like I've been through a loss and a win. That felt like so much yeah <laughs> but that's just like in less than 10 years or 10 years max but i've learned so much but for you you've done it so many times win and after loss and after win and whatnot well, and so you, are, you already that. know the secret you just said you learned so much correct okay so my thing is i do not have fear of failure and i don't care what anybody thinks of me uh, yeah, and I got a lot of advice from people around me. Like when I wanted to move to Bangkok, people were like, you're crazy. You're going to go out of business. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to try. You know, I want to have an adventure. I don't know where it's going to end up. And many times it's sort of like jumping out of an airplane and hoping the parachute's going to open. You know, right. I get a hunch like, oh, I think I want to go to Bangkok. I, I think I want to go to Manila right. because right. I right. can breathe there. So I right. think I want to make a business there. So sure. I just did it. You know, I rented a place. I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out like, how am I going to make some money here? Right. So I, I hired a few people and helped me experiment with some right. things and it works, it doesn't work. And, you know, and eventually you get it to work. Sure. But what do you look for? Because I'm pretty sure you have a, like a playbook now from doing it for, from place to city to city to city and whatnot. When you first start in, to, to putting up something, do you look for people first or do you look for the opportunity first? Well, what, the, the secret looking back right the secret is finding the right people and generally you don't find those people in that are looking for a job you yep. have to network with people and get to know them and then solve some of their problems like they Got might it. be interested in something or they might have a dream for their own business okay i have many many things in the pipeline 
right now that are about ready to come together in, in something that is going to probably be the biggest thing that I've ever worked on. Wow. And I've been working on it for like eight years, just kind of relationships with people. And sure. I have, my network is just unbelievable. And, Got it. and I, I don't always, you know, I don't really look to make money on something. I always connect with people. Right. And some people have great businesses because I connected them and I didn't wow. make anything from it. Got it. Other times I make some money. Uh, but what I'm putting together now is is sort of going to be like um, I, I want to help other entrepreneurs use my sort of infrastructure and all my yeah yeah oh, the, your life all, all my contacts yeah like for instance somebody wants to sell on they they want to do e-commerce right well the most difficult thing uh, to to selling is buying you know buying quality product from a reliable source and a reliable mm-hmm. shipper. If you try to do it, there's a lot of drop shipping programs out there, but right. most people fail because the people cheat them or they cheat their right. customers and eventually they give up. Right. So the right thing is what I've built over the last eight years is helping my friends and, and okay. um, you know, they trust me. And so they have this infrastructure and I'm trying to create something that will uh, take that and sell in other areas like social media marketing i'm mm. making friends with a lot of influences especially here yep. in the philippines it's and a totally I, different ball game and, here uh, right you know millennium um millennials united right okay i just was at a, an event with them they had a wow. bunch of vloggers there right and i met a lot of really great people right um i also met a guy what's up tony do you know him yep Okay, well, uh, you know, I, I, I saw his, his videos and I met right. him in person and we had some discussions about like, hey, what's up, Tony? Do you think you'd love to have a clothing line one time? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it can ever happen, but I do things like talk to people like that and set up some meetings. I have sure. some things I'm working on right now and I, I really want to try to help this guy um, to, to see what it could turn into. Okay. Um, and not just him, but I mean, there's there's a lot of people, but that's that's one I, I just was sure. chatting with him earlier today because we set up a meeting and I sure. have two other meetings that I'm going to go to sort of on his behalf to pitch the idea. Wow. Can we do this with very little capital and just experiment? Got it. Now, last question, PJ, before, uh, unfortunately, we don't have much time anymore, but my last question. So now you find the right people, right? You said you, you that's the most important thing. But working with them... Is a totally different because they're all unique at at one point. Do you have a certain approach to delegation and working before you even delegate? What what's your style like? Well, I I try to find people that can do things like, for instance, I'm terrible with accounting and okay. money. Okay. And I have one woman here that I, she's like my best friend. And there you go. <laughs> in, so you uh, cover for the, the weaknesses yeah. first, right? So. Anyway, she's helped me with a lot of uh, success dealing right. with the paperwork and everything. And, and she's also helping me uh, with my Chinese friends. Okay. Because it's very difficult to just show up in the Philippines and Boom. deal, deal with the SEC. Right, and, right. and thousands and thousands of paperwork and Ooh. signatures and no, fall like in line Singapore. and wait and wait some yeah. more and have a seat, sir. And oh, anyway, man. so I try to do the things that I'm best at. And I didn't always you know, work like that. I right. try to do everything. And then, but if you get the right people and they have faith in you and, you know, you help each other out and you build something together, um, 
you know, you gotta you gotta definitely uh, have a good team. You can't do it on your own. Absolutely. Thank you, PJ. Now, PJ, if they want to follow you and to get get to know more and you know get to work with you, and you you have so many up so so much up your sleeve, how do they reach you? Well, the best place is on Facebook. But if you go to my domain, pj-entrepreneur.com, it will forward to my Facebook page. There but there is going to be a membership site. It's okay. going to be free membership and then some other levels of paid membership sure. at some time in the future. So just remember pj-entrepreneur.com yep. and you'll find me on Facebook right now. But uh, I'm probably going to be doing some things um, on social media Sounds good. Um, and maybe even some personal uh, you know, visits. Uh, there you go. So you got to catch this guy because he's going to be very busy. Last thing you know, he's in another city again. So if you do, please do reach out to him. But again, this has been the the, the latest episode of Hustle Share. If you like this 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 episode, please don't forget to follow and subscribe to your to your, your favorite podcast app. And again, thank you very much. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.